Sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fan cast. This is day two, hour two, and I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer superfan Mike Cushing. And I am another one of your hosts, 24 newbie Curtis Perry. And I'm your third and final host, Michael Roush. Michael Roush, yeah. Um, Way different from Michael Howard. What a, what, a cover, what a cover identity you've built for yourself, Michael. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. Mm-hmm. And I, I can't. There's no way I can back I, check because I did a nickel up and down in Gainesville, you know. Yeah, well, we're gonna up get. In, I have some things Gainesville. to say about that. <laughs> well, it's like, hey, it's it's throw back to the late great Bill Paxton, who was called Bill in a lot of his roles. And you know what? I gotta respect that. If you got the power to do it, what what's the name you're gonna respond to the most? Your own first name. Mm-hmm. So you know, do what you can do. That's a good point. But so later in this episode, we. We learn that Jack has established an old uh, cover identity for himself as Jack Roush, but he just says, tell Joe Jack's here to see him. And I just had this moment. I was just like, is he just like James Bonding this? Like he just is going like he was literally on TV last season, mm-hmm. like, like 18 months ago, saving the like a, a senator. Like they said his name, Jack Bauer, on the news. Yeah, It was really weird when he was like. What's the last name? And he's like, Roush, R-O-S-C-H. I was like, no, no, it ain't. Or R-O-U-S-H. I was like, no, that's it's Bauer. It's- that's the name of like a Mustang. <laughs> your your name's Bauer. <laughs> so anyway, we open up. It is now 9 a.m. And uh, in the in the previous hour, the opening opening episode of this season, um, we have learned a couple things. One, there is a nuclear bomb set to be detonated sometime today in Los Angeles. Um, the NSA has this hot tip. They've passed it along to now President David Palmer. Uh, his NSA chief, Eric Rayburn, seems like a, a real snake. Um, Jack Bauer has been pulled out of retirement because a someone he was undercover with previously uh, is tied to Second Wave, the terrorist group that is... Uh, presumably responsible for this upcoming attack. Uh, Kim Bauer is uh, au pair to a small child uh, who has Mini a very Kim. abusive father who may or may not be integrated into this plot, maybe just a, a run-of-the-mill asshole. Um, but uh, at the end of last episode, uh, Kim is on the ro- or Kim had just seen the child been physically abused and the father threatened to hurt her as well. And Jack... Killed a federal witness against the terrorist in question and uh, chopped his head off. We learn mm-hmm. uh, to told y'all to set up his cover story to get back into the gang. So it is now ten a.m. and uh, no, 9 sorry, a. nine a.m. My am nine a.m. Oh, also, so I believe that. Sorry, I missed one. Go on, Curtis. No, no, I believe that Jack, instead of being Jack Roush, his 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 cover sh- should be the same as one Mister Terrell Suggs, the Baltimore Ravens. His nickname should be Hacksaw, <laughs> Ball So Hard University. <laughs> <laughs> what if Jack Bauer is actually Jack Roush and he's the mole in CTU? Oh, he's shit. he's been the bad guy this whole time. Long con, the longest. Dude, you couldn't wait for me to be drunker to say that. <laughs> that would have blown my fucking mind. <laughs> Um, I also I also forgot one minor ish plot point, Um, the Warner family and Reza Nair. So there are Marie Warner, who is getting married to Reza Nair, who I believe is of Iranian descent. And uh, 
Kate Warner is a Snoopy older sister, and she has hired a private investigator because she suspects Ray's in a year of trying to steal her family's money, but he has found some information that ties Reza to a possible ter- international terrorist financier. So it is 9.01. We open up in the Northwest Regional Operations Complex where David Palmer is talking with his advisor, Lynn Kresge. Um, and she's telling him that the NSA wants to talk to the FBI uh, and advise their staff of about 700 people oh, about no, the, no impending, the impending nuclear detonation in just, downtown L.A. Just 700 no, here's, people. Okay, here's the thing, though, guys. Four years ago, hell, no, no, a year ago, if you'd have said we're going to tell the FBI something, can they keep it in-house? We would have been like, probably, and the yeah, FBI. Sure. Now we think a room, if it's more than three people, it's like, oh, that's getting leaked hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody wants to take this bitch down, it's getting leaked immediately. Actually, can I get really <laughs> meta real quick, uh, or break the it. show? Um. So, obviously... Everybody, every part of this government currently leaks like a, a goddamn sieve. <laughs> the fact that Robert uh, Mueller's like investigation hasn't been leaking, I feel like should worry everyone in this current administration. Like, I don't know anything about what they're finding. Well, which according to according to everybody that I've talked to, not just our, our friend who's a lawyer, but other people that I've talked to in the legal profession, he's essentially hired the fucking A team. To be his, to be his, his squad of investigators. Like he's got, he's just got MI six of investigators on this thing. So, you know, I'd be, yeah, I'd be, I'd be lawyered up too, man. I'd be like, no, we got it. I need, can you bury, can you unearth Johnny Cochran? Because this is some bullshit about to go down. (laughs) But with with how bad everyone is at not leaking things, it's kind of amazing that Jack is able to like re go undercover under his same. Well, yeah, so everyone leaks everything. Apparently, CTU is hackable as all get out. (laughs) Um, And as we learn immediately, so Palmer says he approves upon the condition that all the information will be contained and no one will leak it because he's concerned about mass hysteria. And we learn within... 15 minutes that somebody leaks the story to her. Somebody been talking. Somebody talks to a reporter. Um, Weird. (laughs) So David says, I want everyone to know that just besides the threat of a nuclear bomb going off in LA, I'm just as concerned about mass hysteria and panic, which, um, guys, just just for this episode. Just for this episode, I want you to drink for the words mass hysteria and panic because Chaboy says that about 19 (laughs) times in this episode. Look, I'm going to be honest. Like, I live in a major city, and uh, I think one of the things my mom was afraid of when I moved up here was, you know, a terrorist attack happened, especially because at the time our new president was 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 from here. And so it, it, it I was thinking about this. I'm like, do, would I want them to say it? Obviously, you want to be able to make your family safe, but there are two to three million people in this city proper. Could we all get the hell out of here without just just being a goddamn madhouse? No. I, I don't know. They couldn't evacuate Houston. I mean, they and tried to it, they tried to do it in Batman, and we all got on the <laughs> the ferries to go across Lake Michigan, and then we all saw how that ended. So well, he tried to test no, nobody, your common nobody. human decency, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the good people of Chicago, you murdering fuckbags, <laughs> overcame his expectations. Yeah, yeah, we did. At, at, right. at our core, humans are good. It turns mm-hmm. out. Thank See, you, Christopher that's what, Nolan. That, the problem, the problem is, is that is that is that Christopher Nolan set that Gotham City in the Midwest rather than in New York because they'd been like, "Fuck that shit." Yeah, no, it's done. I gotta, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta get home. Shit. Midwesterners are like, "Well, what? What would Jesus do?" You know? I mean, what would you do though if they did 
say, hey, we have this uh, bomb. We don't know where it is, and it might go off in Chicago sometime today. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you do? And but I'm out of five. Yeah, dude. But how? I get, I get my I got my kids, and I'm getting out. What do you mean how? The robe. I don't care. Man, have you ever been on a Chicago road at like a rush hour? Can you imagine trying uh, to yes, get I've out of here? here? You would be years, stuck sir. there forever. Hey, guys, before we, have to. before we lose the plot of this show. <laughs> we're we're going to lose it all. I would hijack <laughs> a fucking boat and cruise over to Milwaukee. You guys are going the wrong way. Don't there get you on go. those roads. Nailed it. Steal, over, steal you mean, a ferry. You mean, you, mean, you mean up to Milwaukee? Over isn't that submission. Whatever. I don't know how geography works in that area of the world. Michael, I would get, I guarantee you, if I had to swim my boys across like michigan i'm getting the fuck out of the city from a kid i'm just saying that's, i'm that's, just saying i understand it, palmer being like no he's right these motherfuckers can't drive on a normal day there there's no way i'm getting i'm letting all these people know what's going on no i think well that's why like it's interesting to, to think of think of like i know so the current administration is upset with leaks that are about things that the public should know mm-hmm. you know we should know if there are corrupt officials in our in our government Right. Those are things that they get upset about. But in this instance, it's like, yeah, maybe don't maybe don't leak something that may cause necessary that we may be able to stop. But at the same time, if it does go off and you didn't tell anybody, it's you knew how long. I mean, who's who's going to know, though? You're all you're all obliterated by nuclear weapons. Aren't in L.A. and weren't in L.A. Well, yeah, in L.A. L.A. is real, real big. Right, and you can like there. I mean, the traffic is shitty on on the freeways, but it's like it's it just it's just a desert. So I actually looked this up too. So just get the uh, fuck out. They, so L.A. had <laughs> we. I think we said last week that at in 2002 it probably had about 10 million people living in it. It's also 87 percent urban. Like it's not a lot of suburbs, unlike most other towns. So mm, uh, once right. again, the 2.5 million people uh, number for a full blown nuclear war going off. Bullshit. Um, well, they don't know how. I mean, you don't know how many people are going to be in their old lead refrigerators no, when it yeah, goes off. A lot Indy Jones. They're going to. I mean, survive. to be fair, LA's, yeah. a, LA's a huge city. LA's a county essentially, right? It's a it's a massive city. It's not Jacksonville big, but it's big um, as a city itself, right? <laughs> No, I'm, I, I know I what wish, you're saying, but I like land land yeah. area. Yeah, no, I'm not a population by land mass. Trust me, I I know that Jacksonville is a smaller city than Los Angeles, but for y'all those that are from Florida, it's a humongous city that doesn't make any sense as one city. To be fair, it does have <laughs> six million alligators living in it. Mm-hmm. So. Sweet, um, sweet mother of Jesus Christ! But New York City, like Manhattan, would be a fucking problem. Right. Right. That's that's the nightmare of trying to you. Nobody's getting out. Yeah. Right. You're just screwed. So Lynn so. Kresge tells David that the NSA is. T- for some reason, the NSA is leading this investigation, um, but she says they're taking a two-pronged approach to tracking down uh, the second wave terrorists and then also trying to track the sale of weapons-grade nuclear materials. And as she says that, we cut to a warehouse where some brown dudes, terrorists, are loading some large crates into the back of a truck. Setting and- L.A. up the bomb. Yes, and one guy looks very indecisive as they load it into a van. He walks away, and then uh, it rolls out of... Uh, the garage in a delivery truck, or the worst food truck of all time. Um, yeah, well, it's American delivery. American, right? I'm real surprised yeah. that either no, neither FedEx or UPS wanted that old product placement <laughs> yeah. on this one. And you know? I was Just, surprised that UPS allowed a UPS truck to drive in front of the American <laughs> delivery truck. It was like you were even tangentially tried to tie to a terrorist attack. Weird. I feel like DHL might have paid for that. At that point, they should have. They should, they yep. should have. Be like, yep. hey, you know what? Or whatever. We'll, we'll deliver whatever. On time. And the postal service. Every time. <laughs> uh, and we cut to the Matheson household where um, 
Kim is laying on the floor and Megan, the uh, nine-year-old child, is curled up in a ball crying. She still has a towel wrapped around her head. Uh, And Gary is on the phone talking to um, his business associate saying that he's he'll be back for a meeting soon. He just he he'll be back. He just had something to take care of. Fucking Gary. Like you took a break from domestic violence to set up a meeting. Like what the shit? You're the worst person. Well, clearly he wasn't and Kim supposed is to in leave the room work, with you. Though. He wasn't even supposed to be home. Um, yeah. he, he left for some unknown reason. And Kim... No, he left because he didn't like the way that she wrapped that package that he had at work. That's true. Or whatever. So he's just a, a serial abuser. He came abuser. home to abuse his wife. Right, right. that's what I'm he saying. He was like, right. I have to leave, guys. Yeah. I can't be here anymore. I have to go. I have to get my wife. Right. <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> um, I have an, so, an appointment. So he's clearly under the gun and getting yelled at on the phone. And uh, Kim uses that moment of distraction to... Um, Beck and Megan outside of the room and they they run out of the room, they run in the stairs and a they run into a bruised and crying Carla Matheson who gives Kim her keys and tells him to get away as far as possible. And Kim, now the kidnappee is, is now the, the kidnapper. And so they get into a golden Lexus and like Kim was just like yelling at Megan, like, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> like, which seems kind of counterproductive. Um, but Gary realizes they're gone and he ends his call and runs downstairs and basically just says, I'm going to kill you if you leave right now, Kim. <laughs> he says, and, Kim, stop the car. I will kill you. <laughs> I will kill you. And then, um, oh, he calls, stop the car. So now. she drives away and, uh, he, yeah. he calls his OnStar and has them track his car as Kim drives away. Uh, I don't love Kim's chances here. Mm, no, but uh, and only be, only because she's Kim, right? Right. Like, I mean, she's 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 gonna Kim it up. But I do think that part of this, like, season one, Kim probably would have gotten out of the car. Yeah. Right. Season two, Kim's like, I seen some shit. I don't, you, you don't scare me, Gary. Season one, Kim would be like, Oh, he's kind of <laughs> hot, even though he's a little mean. exactly he's a bad boy. I'll check right. it out. See what season up. two. Season two games like I've seen all kinds of Drazens and I've met Ira Gaines. I don't trust you, fucker, and I'm not afraid of and you. Yet Goodbye. She still <laughs> does the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, real dumb. We'll get there. Actually, the, oh boy, two of the stupidest things I've, I've seen her do. It, it, it's a, it's a dumb scene. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a stupid all around. Right, a couple. Right, well, she also she also does some good stuff, but um, she does, but 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 wrapped in a bunch of stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, she builds a fort right. of fort of stupid actually and leaves right. thing. It's like it's like a Chicago it's like a Chicago red hot like wrapped in a shitty spinach wrap. Like just don't do that. Yeah. Just it's real dumb. So we get a tiny clock. It is nine oh five, and Jack and Michelle Dessler are flying in a helicopter. Oh, helicopter over L.A. And she is uh, showing helicopter, him helicopter. Eh? Helicopter, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's showing him photos of Wald's crew uh, on a laptop and briefing him um, about the mission. And Jack recognizes one of them as Eddie Grant, one of his old friends from when he was undercover. And uh, Jack tells Michelle that as soon as he's in place, I better not see any CTU personnel. Did you um, recognize the other one, though, that she showed? I didn't. The guy, the first guy he runs into and he calls him Cowboy. Oh, uh, yeah, I did. Well, I was going to get to that. <laughs> no, I was saying, well, he was he was also the picture, though, that they showed that he said he didn't okay, know who yeah, he, was. he was. And I was like, the first dude, well, I know that, bro. It's mm-hmm. Liam McPoyle. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's his name? No, his name is Jimmy Simpson, spelled not oh, okay. how you would expect, but he played uh, Liam McPoyle of the McPoyle brothers on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Well, he's also on Westworld. He's he's William. He's, That's what I know. He's him William as. from Westworld. Yeah. 
I think Fuck most him. of our fan will know him as <laughs> Liam McPoyle. Yes. He is the man in black. <laughs> anyway, so um, they're flying over the city, and Jack asks if they have any information about the size, size of the bomb, and Michelle says, not yet. And um, he looks over the city as they fly above it, and uh, you can tell he's um, kind of looking at the LA skyline, just imagining what's about to be destroyed if the bomb explodes. Well, so was he looking at the skyline, or was he looking at... So I thought, one, was that maybe the Hotel Palmer was in that he saw that building? Maybe. Or or was that, like, Kofel's office tower? I don't, I can't remember, but either way. Um, also, why didn't they just bring this car to CTU? That's a good point. Right, if you want to stay undercover, maybe you don't fly a helicopter to the car you're going to drive to the, to the terrorist joint. Like, just, Did you say helichopper? Helichopter. 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 There we go. The the Huey. Okay, it's a Huey. There you go. So we cut to Eric Rayburn, the NSA chief, and Lynn Kresge. And they're walking through, and uh, they come upon David Palmer, and Lynn tells David that the press has started to ask questions about why he cut short his fishing trip. And she says, we could just have Jenny address the media, but Palmer insists on addressing them personally. And Mm -hmm. Eric Rayburn says, you can't take time to coddle the media. And Palmer just says, we need to prevent mass hysteria. Once the rumor mill starts, you've got two problems. The last thing we need is mass hysteria. Hysteria. (laughs) Uh, Which I kind of... I guess David just likes talking to the press, but uh, I, I both get and don't get Eric Rayburn's point. It's just like, you can't just, like, again, it's it's almost like the not telling people to evacuate. It's like, if you don't say anything and then it goes fucking off, like, you're, you're shit, you're in shit creek either way. But like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stand up for Palmer. Trip. I'm gonna stand up for Palmer here. And this is weird for me, but Palmer's like, let me handle the presidenting, son. Yeah. Right. I, I've been honest. My whole, that's how I got it. Like I was an honest man about my son being doing dirt. Right. So let me talk to the press. But by the way, I've already activated Jack Bauer. We can't do anything else except that. Yeah. So fucking we got it. We've All got right? one guy. Okay. And but he's also on it's it. a fishing no, we trip. Got the guy. Like it could have been anything. It could have been like, oh, uh, I had massive diarrhea and had to come home. <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? National Press Corps? <laughs> Fine. I had dysentery. I shit my brains out. I was dumb and I ate a river trout raw. I was gonna go. <laughs> I hooked Keith in the nuts. All right? Are you guys good now? Mm-hmm. Okay? My son, his nuts are crippled. <laughs> you owe? Sorry. Let's get back to it. So Jack's helicopter lands at his car, um, and he calls George Mason to ask what's going on with Kim, and Mason informs him that... Kim was not at the house when Regent, uh, sorry, Agent Roy Grothy arrived, and um, I don't understand how the trained C2 agent didn't, like, see the enraged father, like, pacing in front of the house and, like, intuit that something might be wrong with Kim. Well, I mean, I, presumably, like, Kim's gone, and Gary left in his car to go find them, but, like... So if there was went, only the bruised and right. crying wife in the house. <laughs> if he went to the door and was like, hey, I'm looking for Kim, he would think he went so into okay. it that, that there was a little bit of an issue. Yeah. So mm. these are CTU agents we're talking about. That is a good point. Good point. So Jack Not says, local police or high patrolmen. Those are the only effective cops in this show. Good point. So Jack says, damn it, drink. Uh, George, I told you to call me as soon as you knew anything. And uh, Jack, uh, George just basically tells Jack to relax and that they're working on it and that growth is there. Um, so Jack says, don't tell me to relax, George. Uh, clearly some tension between them. 
And he insists that Mason and his people find Cam, and they hang up, and he calls Cam's cell phone to leave her a voicemail, asking her to wait for Roy Grothy, and then go to Aunt Carol's house. But she has obviously, of course, left her phone at the Matheson household. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, so we cut back to CTU. And Tony Almeida asks IT tech Paula Schaefer to give an update, and she ignores that request and um, <laughs> says, hey, shouldn't we be working outside of Los Angeles because of the nuclear threat? Yep. Yep. See, Paula here uh, brings up something that I actually have taught my kids, or I'm going to teach my kids, is one of the primary lessons in life, right? We've talked about this before, I think, early on in this, this show, um, or on TILP. One, number, rule number one, don't do meth. Yeah, <laughs> obvious. Rule number two. Don't be a dick, mm-hmm. right? Somewhere betwixt three and ten is the ability to nope out of a situation, right? So if you are privy to information that there is a nuclear weapon that might go off in your vicinity, nope, and get the fuck out. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all you got. It's the same as, hey, there's a freaky clown loose in your neighborhood. Nope. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking gone. Like, that's it. Like, you don't, you don't stay there for that. So Paul's like, I'm going to nope out of here to fucking San Francisco and work from there. How about that? Well, we all nope somewhere else and then work there. Yes. It's easy. So there are other offices for CTU, right? Let's let's get the fuck out. When Tony came up to ask her the question, she was looking at something. There was some pinging on the computer. There was a, a map nope sites. She was and looking she, at all the nope sites. I was saying she get to. quickly she quickly kind of <laughs> hit it. Like, yeah, she did. What was she doing? Probably uh, map questing away out of town. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you got to plan your nope sometimes. So I have right. I have two things here. So one, Tony just says, try to tune it out, Paula. You never know how good the intel is. <laughs> just like, yeah, we, we tortured a guy for 19 hours um, and then we triple sourced it somehow beyond the torture. Um, you never know how good it is, though. It's probably nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't know. About, so, Curtis, just to counter you. Sure. I don't. I don't know Go about you guys. It. I mean, I obviously I would nope out because I lo- <laughs> I'd like to live, even though I hate my life. I want to be alive. Um, mm-hmm. But I work best when there is a fire directly underneath my ass, and I can't imagine a better fire than a nuclear one. Yep, a literal nuclear fireball. It's like, hey, Paula, you want to you want to live to see another day? Do your fucking job, you dipshit. Don't map quest directions out of this town. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. No, I hear what you're saying. And I'm the same way. I work greater under pressure. Yeah. But, but. It's not, fellas, it's not for everybody. Just understand. Mm-hmm. If you see someone coming at you who you believe may rob you at three in the morning. Nope out of there. Just, just nope out of there. Okay. Okay. And that's what this bomb is. It's coming. <laughs> it's going to take your and wallet. I, I bet you. Hey, Kush. I bet you were going to watch someone nope in this episode. How about that? <laughs> that's a great point. That's a, that's an ac- excellent point. Um. So Mason, or sorry, uh, Tony just says, do your job. And he walks away and uh, he leaves Paula kind of pouting. And um, he gets stopped by George Mason, who tells him that uh, two coyotes were caught crossing the Mexican border, bringing forged second wave passports to an address in Culver City. And um, he asks Tony, who's the closest agent to that house? And who is it? Good old Roy Grothy. Indeed. And what does Mason do? Send him. He ain't doing shit. He ain't doing shit over there. Send Grothy. We got shit to do. Yeah, so... Kim ain't there, so fuck it. 
Kim ain't there. Um, and so Tony says, like, well, we just promised Jack. What are we doing here? And this is the first of probably the second time that Tony starts to swing that Dak in this episode. And I, I kind of like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mason just says, we'll send someone shitty. And then he walks away. And we get a <laughs> tiny clock. It is 9.09. And speaking of shitty, Jack pulls up in a shitty car to Atlas Auto Records. And hey, holy shit, it's uh, Jimmy Simpson from Westworld. And more importantly, always sunny in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jack keeps calling him Cowboy yeah. and uh, asks him to get Joseph Wald for him. And, is that part uh, of his cover? Does he just call everyone Cowboy? Just because call that's a, Cowboy. That's a great, yeah. that's a great cover. He likes it. Well, yeah. later in the episode, he calls uh, Dave, who's clearly pretty touchy about himself, Sport, <laughs> which I don't think there's a more patronizing <laughs> name that you could call a, sorry, a more non-racist patronizing name that you could call a grown man than Sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah I've been called, I've been called Sport, Junior, Newbie. Uh, they all hurt yeah. a little bit. So I stick with so. the ubiquitous player. Gets gets everybody. Um, so uh, Chris, who is played by uh, Jimmy Simpson. Creels. Creels says, I think you've got the wrong place. But Jack follows him back into the shop and says, well, why don't you tell Joe Jack's back in town and see what he says, okay? Um, and this is where I kind of got in the whole, why is Jack lose, using his actual name? Um, but as I thought that, a man stepped out of the racks in the in the auto shop. And uh, says, oh, yeah, I bet Joe would love to talk to Jack Roush, the man who put him in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, and just as Jack denies that, a man punches him in the back of the head. And Eddie tells some thugs to prepare the back room for his laughing place. And uh, before they do, Jack tells them that he knows about Marshall Gorin turning state's evidence to put J- Joe away for life. And tells Eddie that he has a present for Joe waiting on the counter in his bag. And um, uh, Jack tells, so sorry, Eddie sends a man to go look at Jack's present. And what do they find? One head in a duffel bag. Mm-hmm. That was. He gasps of, <gasps> and <gasps> drops it. It's one eighth, one eighth of my favorite movie, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> I love and and the, I don't remember the guy's. What was the other guy's name? That's his like which, his friend. Which guy? Eddie. Jack's no, Eddie. Jack's Eddie. Eddie. So Eddie is yeah. just like he goes, "What the hell, Jack?" Yeah, like, like that's well, like that's even too far. But then, well, so he says, "What the hell, Jack?" And then the scene ends with Jack's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I gotta say, like all things considered, this has to be the best way to prove that you're not a cop, right? Yeah, I mean, there's actual murder. Yeah, yeah. murder and bringing a head, like. Yeah, because, like, mm-hmm. usually in cop movies, it's like, okay, kill this witness. And then they have a gun with, like, blanks in it or something. Mm-hmm. And the cop has to, like, if they pull the trigger, they're fine. Or they have to talk their way out of it. Jack just bypassed all of that. It's like, yeah, I killed the dude, chopped his fucking head off from federal custody. Yeah. I stole him from federal custody and chopped his goddamn head off and brought it to you like a, t- a McDonald's toy. Before you even asked, I just showed up with this head. Like, I didn't even know if you want it. I just have it. I'm like a, it's like a cat that brings you a dead bird. It's like, huh? I like that. I like this. I think (laughs) you're going to love it. (laughs) I think you're going to really enjoy this. Um, So we cut to commercial. It's 912. We come back. It is 916 in a split screen. We see Kim and Megan still running, uh, driving from Gary. Um, And a 
We cut to the Palmer uh, complex and a reporter named Jane. Uh, Palmer is addressing a, a handful of reporters. And someone named Jane asks why Palmer is back from fishing early. And he says, well, I already hit my quota. My own conservation policy is coming back to haunt me. <laughs> and the reporters give a very polite chuckle to David for that shit ass joke. And uh, David looks beyond the group to see a suspicious looking reporter talking to his aide, Jenny. And uh, he dismisses the press and Jenny walks over and informs Palmer that a reporter named Ron Wheeland is putting the pieces together, despite the fact that Palmer only learned about this an hour ago. And um, what pieces? The fact that he left early from a fishing trip and there's something going on like all the right pieces. Yeah. Um. So David is kind of like flabbergasted that Wheeland has anything and she just says well you know Wheeland he knows everyone and they all owe him uh which is like kind of implying that someone on David's staff leaked this story to him um and Palmer instructs Jenny to keep an eye on Ron but not to go out of her way to distance the press because they again they don't want to cause mass hysteria (laughs) (laughs) um so we get a tiny clock it's 917 please take a drink uh, David walks himself back to the situation room and uh, we see Kim driving and she gets stuck in some very light construction. She's the second car in line and uh, Megan tells her that her head hurts. So Kim decides to take a shortcut down a very suspicious alleyway rather than Ooh. waiting for the one stopped car ahead of her. And Stupid one. Mistake number one where she was mm-hmm. she had people around her. Yep. Uh, first of all, she decides to go on her own to the alley. Um, and yep. who, who is it? It's Gary. Gary pulls runs into Gary's blocks. beautiful blue Lexus. Yeah, yeah so Gary's blue Lexus convertible cuts her off and blocks the alley. And uh, he steps out and walks over to the car. And Kim looks to back up, but now she's somehow <laughs> boxed in by a van reversing into the alley. Just Be- came out of nowhere, man. But but she's boxed in by a van and a dude, and a dude, a yeah, physical a dude. Who, human being, man, who 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 is a who is a, a wife beater, mm-hmm. just just run him over. But he has you've, he can unlock the, the car, Curtis. So that's that's bad. Um. So so funny story for any of y'all. You can hold the lockdown. Uh, <laughs> you cannot. No. No. Here's the thing. Uh, most cars are designed in a way for safety purposes in which you cannot actually lock unlock the door. With the key when it's running like that, because that's dumb. So I'm they don't have to disagree with you on that. Because my car's not because one time I left Sora in the car with the AC running and uh-huh. I was able to open it up from outside. Yep, me too. While it's in drive? No, uh, I don't know whether it's in drive. Oh, uh, well, yeah, while it's parked. It's true. Yeah, she should have been in drive. Either way, or she should have run his stupid ass over. Yeah, he would have jumped out of the you- way. Yeah, I don't think you can unlock the car while, like, like that while you're in drive. So it doesn't really matter. But what, either way, yeah, she also has a button. So what the fuck? Just I'll lock it. Yeah. And just run him yeah, over. Yeah, so just, just, what does she decide to do instead? Oh, God. See, see, this is the one. So, so guys, there are right and wrong situations in which to nope. Mm-hmm. And right ways in which to nope. The way to nope in this situation is not to take the, the eight-year-old child you're guarding and get out of the vehicle say, with a, you with have a very SUV. likely concussion. Yeah, and say right. get out you of the SUV. car. Like you have a dude in front of you with an SUV. Just don't get out of that. You, and she does. You have a he heavy SUV, and he has a shitty convertible, and it, also his measly. <laughs> he has his legs. He has yeah. his measly fleshy <laughs> body. Um, run that some bitch over. Um, but, but to be fair, Gary. God, Gary ain't got no wheels. 
No, no. wheels. No, no wheels, son. He, he can't, can't run get down, down a nine-year-old girl. <laughs> he can't. He can't run down a nine-year-old girl or a woman in flip-flops. Um, and so they get out of the car. They run. Um, they hide, presumably finding a male prostitute who has previously sucked Kim's dad's dick. And um, Gary attempts to lure Megan out of hiding by telling her that Kim is only going to hurt her. And uh, we get a tiny clock. It is now 9.20. And uh, Jack arrives. uh, He's introduced to the back lot and is introduced to Dave, uh, who does not is not too happy that Dave or sorry. Dave is not very happy that Eddie has allowed Jack to uh, rejoin the club on today of all days. Uh, And Dave clearly does not know who Jack is and Jack has never met him. Um, so Eddie and Jack try to reassure Dave about why he's there. And Jack just says, Ooh. I just did a nickel for Joe over in Gainesville. And, uh, real quick fact check, you guys, mm-hmm. that prison is in Stark, not Gainesville. I Gainesville, s- ha- Gainesville has a jail. The prison is in Stark, 20 minutes outside of town. But he said, he said up in Gainesville. Up in Gainesville. So, like, was is there a Gainesville, like, north of LA that no, we don't know about? Nope. No, because in Gainesville, Georgia? So, no, it's it's definitely Gainesville, Florida, because Jack's cover story was that he is running explosives and guns or whatever in Florida. So Ooh. it's probably from where Jack was captured in Florida. He was uh, sent up to uh, Gainesville, mm. up to Gainesville. Um, hey, also, y'all following you know a little bit of the backstory of these actors. If you what movie, what fantastic movie do we know Dave from? Uh, he he is one of those familiar faces. Um, mm. But he was he was a, he was a, he was a marine in a one of the greatest movies of all time, Starship oh. Troopers. <laughs> nope, save him whole bunch. Nope. Mm-mm. It starred it starred one Nicholas Hold Coppola. On. I'll get there. Uh, a marine in a movie with Nick Cage. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no, he was uh, the Rock. He was in the Rock. He uh, uh, that he was. That yep. he was. He, he got all up movie. in uh, Ed Harris's grill, and he got put down like a mad dog. Mm-hmm. He got he got put down. Then at the end of the movie, Nick Cage put a little VX gas capsule in his gullard. Yep. Mm. Anyway, what a film that back was. Back to the 24s. What a great film. Um, just a just a fantastic one. So Dave does not believe Jack's backstory uh, and no. is incredulous that Jack just happens to show up today and he insists <laughs> that he is going to bird dog his records with the uh, Corrections Offender Network from the state of Florida Department of Corrections <laughs> website and uh, they have Jack take a seat and he starts to look them up and I mean Dave's the only smart one here. Dave is the smartest person on the show, okay, and is apparently but, but also why? the best hacker and like IT person on the show. But mm-hmm. he's he's hunting and pecking though on the keyboard. You see that? Yeah. He's just like, nope, I'm gonna find your record. He, he has like a tip, 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 he has like tip, a Pentium tip, tip, tip. One set up in his fucking garage. <laughs> so bad. And, and Curtis, you don't know if he has like some chicken scratch keyboard that he like all he's got hotkeys that just like <laughs> do command. Uh, no, I have here's no. my here's my hack button. Here's my how many floor. times? How many times does he have to look up people's like prison records? That he just is like, I'm gonna do this. Take me two minutes. Yeah, bye. I do this all the time. So well, that's the thing. if your entire team is made of is made up of dudes who've gone to prison, it means your team's not good because they've been. Which again, before. by the way, so <laughs> this was 2002, and he says I'm gonna hack into the state of Florida Department of Corrections like prisoner database in two minutes. It took me two minutes to download a JPEG of like porn. 
in 2002. Just a picture of titties. Yeah, just mm, can't wait for this even, to load line by was, line. You didn't even know if it was titties. It could have been a. It could have been a bikini. Somebody yeah. could have been lying to you. To be, to be fair, so Kush, when I in 2001, by then, well, I'd had a I had a T1 line in my dormant UF, so I was able to download a whole bunch of titties way faster than that. Mm. I so. was living at my parents' house, so I didn't have that. <laughs> Chipaway barely Sorry, had a buddy. DSL line. <laughs> um, so as he starts to look about, CTU goes into panic mode, and C- uh, Paula Schaefer, Tony, and Michelle Dessler are scrambling to enter the data about Jack's time in Gainesville uh, into the database to corroborate his story. What and the Paula fuck were ha- they doing all this time? They knew he was going undercover. Right? That's sh- like how did he get undercover? The first so thing fast? they did was check his fucking records. Well, apparently it was the first thing they did because Tony just says. Jesus, these guys work fast. And, um... They're about to fucking explode a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Uh, leave no stern, stone unturned. <laughs> um, so Paula just, like, actually doesn't input the data. She just hacks the, the connection and, like, makes her own site. So this guy sees the information. And, uh, just before Eddie is about to turn around and shoot Jack in the head, the data finally shows up. And he says it's fine. And he admonishes Dave, who says... You almost made me kill my friend. <laughs> and then he reminisces with Jack about a 64 Mustang. And Jack tells him, ah, no, I don't have it. The lawyers took that one. And then he shoots a glance at Dave before they walk out of the warehouse into the sunlight. And it is now 924. We cut to commercial break. So we come back from commercial. It is 928. And um, we cut to David Palmer talking to Eric Rayburn, head of the NSA. If they're asking if they're making any headway. And Rayburn says it's basically a shit show because we only have a few hours head start on the terrorists. So we're doing everything we everything in our power to prevent an explosion. But it's probably going to happen. And if <laughs> I were you, I'd give some serious thought to what our plan of action would be if it went off. And you should probably talk to the Pentagon. And David still seems reluctant to do that. <laughs> which I, get. I like Rayburn. We are going to fuck this yeah. up, yeah. sir. <laughs> no way. So just prepare for that nuclear blast in LA. Yeah. The bomb is gonna go off, so you should call somebody. Um so <laughs> well, David, the they don't even know like the time frame. Like yeah, the bomb could no be going idea. off at ten a ten AM. Like they have no fucking clue. They have no idea. Uh so David kind of just walks away and goes to his office and then Lynn Kresge walks in and informs him that Ron Wheeland has apparently convinced his network to give him a 10-minute live report starting at noon to break the story this about something, despite mother. having no factual Fuck. leads, just rumor. So we get a rare news. David Palmer. Damn it. Fucking fake news, crooked media, failing whatever Ron Whelan's network hey, is. You know, 90% don't, don't of the time- Don't a rival podcast network on this show, Michael. Okay, don't do that. Mm-hmm. 90% of the time when these reporters say- Confidential sources. They just made it up. You know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. All mm. the time. All the time. So, um, rather than trying to, like, talk to this guy in any way, like, or, like, dissuade the anything, David just tells Lynn to give him a a free 10-minute private interview to talk through what's going on. That's not and suspicious at all. On the... On the condition that no one else knows about it. (laughs) And then he also tells her to summon someone named Armus. And she seems a little concerned about that. Yeah, that looked, that was an ominous look between them. 
Yeah, man. I get excited about Armas. Yeah. Sounds like a badass Transformer. Like, bring fucking Armas on. <laughs> Artemis Prime. I've got three guns. One of them is my dick. I'm Armas. Um, so she heads off to do both of those things, and she kind of just leaves David with his head hanging over the desk. Um, like, David clearly is not happy about what he just told her to do, which makes me, personally, even more excited about Armas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to the warehouse where Dave looks to be inserting detonators into block of what I have to assume is C5 explosive. And uh, uh, it's season two. They're up to C7 now. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah, you got to keep pushing it up. You always have to. Hot shit. You got to iterate. You got to iterate. Um, so <laughs> got Jack that new wa- shit. Jack walks in from outside and like tries to make friends by like bumming his smoke. But Dave ain't having it. And. Jack just tells it. Jack just like kind of shakes it off, and then just like, "You're packing the fuses a little too tight there, sport." And again, this is fucking sport. <laughs> this is one of those things. If someone called me sport at work, like, I I would not handle it well. And Dave does not either. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's almost like Jack is trying to get this guy to like come at him, and which is weird because he doesn't have a reason to yet. But this is the first of. Two times that Dave comes at Jack, mm-hmm. it goes better this time for Dave than it will in the most future. certainly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> only because right he gets interrupted. Yeah. So Eddie comes in and breaks them up, and he tells Jack that Joe's busy and that Jack should come back at four p.m. tomorrow. And Jack's like, "I just need five minutes." But Eddie shuts him down, and uh, he says, "That's fine." They do a very bad secret handshake, and like. A lot of like wrist grabbing, but only like one one way wrist grabbing. Like Jack didn't grab his wrist, Eddie just grabbed his. It was bad. Um, and he leaves and walks back to his car. We got a tiny clock. It's nine thirty one. And uh, please take a drink, Curtis. I'm looking at you. Stop watching baseball. <laughs> and uh, Jack I know goes. He's killing his- me here. He, he keeps turning around like something cool's happening. Yeah, I need to know. Nope, nothing cool. Nothing cool. What's happening? Um, yeah. Same shit, different day, bro. We're okay. okay. <laughs> I need your thoughts, is what I'm saying. Uh, so Jack goes back to his car and he calls Mason to let him know that he's being shut out and that Mason just should come arrest all these terrorists because <laughs> they're packing charges, so they must be involved. And, like, I don't mean to be flip, especially, like, what we learned at the end of this episode, but, like, they're packing heavy explosives. Mm-hmm. There's a nuke coming. Like, yeah. Why would you arrest the guys with that? Just to like, like Jack is like an hour into this, like arrest my only lead. Like, let's let's be though. No, Jack's trying to get out of this situation. Like, he just wants to go home and get Kim. Like, he's like, whatever. Some arrest these dudes. Fucking. He calls them. He calls while undercover at the site. Yeah, no, like right. he doesn't right. even he's like not hide. really caring yeah. with his back turned. Like, and the thing is. What if he just wants to torture 25 people? I mean, they could be involved, though. I mean, we still don't know whether it's a dirty bomb or, or like, a regular bomb. And maybe they're using the C5 and they're going to sprinkle it with some some nuke dust. You know? S- create sprinkle, a little... some, sprinkle some crack on it. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to sprinkle that cumin all over it. I don't want to leave no, I don't want leave no mysteries. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's a good point. So, uh, Mason is worried that if they arrest his entire crew, they're not going to get to Joseph Wald in time, which is, yep. you know, a fair concern. Mm-hmm. And he tells Jack that the NSA put Wald one degree of Kevin Bacon away from the second wave terrorists. So he instructs Jack to stick with Eddie's group and just stay with it until he finds something. So Jack just says, I'll figure it out. 
And then he just fakes car trouble by flooding his engine with gasoline. Mm-hmm. Engine yeah, carburetor. Just, how, I don't know how. Quick, sorry, no, no. I don't know how cars work. So he floods something with gas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he floods it, but it's just there's just he's making it too many kawinky dinks that he's just showing up on major terrorist day, <laughs> right? The fucking holiday of terrorism, and now your car can't start all of a sudden. Well, and really? then he gets out yeah. of the car and opens the the hood, but then stands kind of on the side of it. Staring yeah, directly like at the Megan people Fox loading Transformers. It. Yeah, yeah, he's he's Megan Fox from from Transformers. He he rolls up his 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 shirt to show his tummy a little bit. Um, and Dave Dave is not having any of it. He is staring Jack down. Like yeah, in the most suspicious way possible. Jack is is acting, and Dave is just watching him the entire so, time. Dude, to be fair, if I'm a, if I'm a terrorist, right? I'm making explosives. We're gonna blow a nuke at some point today. All of a sudden, this dude you haven't seen in five years, who you were pretty sure put your boss in jail five years ago, just rolls the fuck up? No. Yeah. My, my, just, no. my toes. He brought ahead. My toes? I'm on them. <laughs> I don't trust you. Now, cool head. I've seen Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. I don't trust you, dipshit. <laughs> That's true. They never actually checked. They never actually checked the head. That could be anyone's head. Like, yeah, one guy kicked it with his foot a little bit. It could right. be anybody's head. Like, they don't know exactly what Goran looks like. Come on. Yeah. So this is a, basically the equivalent. So Jack is, like, staring down the terrace as they load a large bag into a van. And, like, Dave catches him watching. And Jack does, like, the weird, like, look away. And this is effectively him, like, putting his finger to his earpiece in the power plant from season one like i'm definitely not talking to a terrorist like this entire time don't worry yeah i i don't know i almost i started to feel like he was being intentionally um this way so that dave would come at him basically would start shit yeah right because mm-hmm. that was he, the only i feel like he that he thinks that's the only way he's going to get in there because you know being a supposed explosives expert I right. think he already knows that Dave is his, the weakest link in this organization. Uh, so, yeah, that'll that'll come back up in a minute. Um, we get a tiny clock. It is 9.34. And uh, we cut to CTU. We see George Mason standing in his office. And he gets a call from Paula. And we finally hear the iconic CTO ringtone. CTU ringtone. <laughs> boop, Blew boop, that one. Boop, 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 boop. And uh, she tells him that she opened up a socket to Division. Please take a drink. <laughs> drink. And uh, he thanks her, and he opens up the file from Division, and we see their newest briefing about the attack, and they show the probability of a nuclear ba- blast in downtown L- Can't talk, sorry. <clears throat> <laughs> they show the probability of a nuclear blast in downtown LA, LA fuck me, to be 89 to 93%. That's and, fucking um, high, yo. That's higher than high. I would like. It's real high. Yeah. And we see a few moments of him looking panicked. He gathers his glasses. He picks up his phone. <laughs> and then what does he do? He stands up and puts his gun on his hip. And then what does he nope. do next? <laughs> he nope. Nope. Right the fuck right out. But, see, here's the thing. I don't know why he brought his briefcase. Because that's just like signaling that like I'm, I'm peacing out, yo. Like he should have... Not taking the briefcase and like pretending like he was going to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. Kind of like try to sneak out, maybe. Yeah. So he tries to leave, and also it's like, hey man, anything in your briefcase you don't need, it will be destroyed in the nuclear holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, who stops him on his way out the door? Messer Almeida. 
Tony. Tony call and like he doesn't just stop him. He well, questions he asks about him. where he's going. Yeah, and Mason says, I'm going to Bakersfield to follow right. the lead. We're short staff, so I'm doing it myself. And what does Tony say to that? He's like, we got someone out there. We got a dude out there. Why didn't you just call him? He's like, yeah, I told him to do something else. But why? He's like, I don't have to answer that to you, which yeah. is, I mean, kind of true. He doesn't. But and what is, how does Tony sling that dick, though? <laughs> he just comes right out and calls him out and he says, Look, if you're just trying to get outside the blast radius... Who the hell do you think you are? Do you have access to my information? No. Then keep your mouth shut and do your job. Mm-hmm. Tony... So, uh, Tony once again continues to get in people's business. Mm-hmm. This time around, I like this it. This is good, though. I, I mean, he's... like I mean, it. The most perceptive person on this show. Yeah. For sure. So, George tells Tony, just do your fucking job, and he walks out the door, and we cut to commercial. It's 9.36. Do we think Mason is G Mace is just out the door for real? Is he piecing out? Uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he's <laughs> yeah. noping the fuck out. I don't, I don't. I lost a lot of respect for him this episode. So part of me is like, obviously his professional like ambitions have been stymied a little bit based on what happened last season. But I feel like, I feel like he probably trusts his agency a little bit to like stop this attack, and I he's got to know if like. If he leaves the room right now or, like, doesn't get back in the game, there's no way in fuck he's ever working in this field again. Like, his professional ambitions are gone forever. Yeah, but he's got a 1 in 12 chance at this point of them actually doing that, according to that that recent uh, probability assessment. Well, so he's thinking, if it does, if everything does blow up and I'm the only person left in L.A. or in the L.A. area, like, I'm getting a promotion, yo. Mm, that's a good point. So actually, well, Michael, what I'm thinking right now, he's Maverick. He's got Merlin in the back seat. It's there are seven MIGs flying around Val Kilmer right now. Val Kilmer needs help. Maverick can't engage. He's up in his own head. He's mm-hmm. scared. Merlin's yelling at him. Hey, get in the game. You're just trying to get outside the blast radius. You fucking puss. Mm-hmm. Get back in like, there. And he's engage, like, yeah, engage yeah. Maverick. And he just talked to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. I think G-Mace is going to turn his Tomcat back around and get back in the fight. I wouldn't. No, I, I'll, I'd be gone. I would have hit the afterburners and be gone. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Yeah, it's how how like, how like good does his current Iceman look in, you know, playing volleyball? You know? You I mean, let, let, let's be honest. Kiefer Sutherland's body could never compare to Val Kilmer's <laughs> in his prime. That's just, we all know that. that Val Kilmer was a, just a god of The man. other difference, though, is that G-Mace has to rely on the rest of his team at CTU to actually accomplish something, whereas, like, Maverick just has to rely on his own skills. And maybe and, his, and, and and his Tim, co-pilot. And Tim Robbins yeah. in his backseat. As his yes, Rio. but G-Maze has to rely on CTU, which is... <laughs> You're gonna do what? <laughs> CTU has Sorry. literally never proven itself to be able to do anything right. And we have met Paula Schaefer so far. She's very bad. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so we cut to commercial at 936. We come back at 941, and Jack is still working on that car. Um, and we cut to Kim and Megan, who are somehow still walking through alleyways, even though they started this thing literally 50 feet away from a man guiding a utility truck backwards and six beefy construction boys yep. who were like, you know... <laughs> Probably very primed to stop a deranged father from beating his young daughter and her au pair. It's Saturday um, in L.A. They can't find 
anyone to help them? No. Fuck you. It has a phone. Well, all, you can't all, go into a fucking store. Come on. <laughs> yeah, they're all. It's all Tom Jane doing <laughs> doing research for a role. Um, so they're kind of hiding, and Kim insists that they have to leave the hiding places they're in. But Megan doesn't feel well enough to leave. Her head hurts. She doesn't want to move. So what does Kim do? Oh god damn it! She takes the concussed child. He convinces her to hide in a stack of boxes. She makes a cardboard box for for her. <laughs> and leaves a nine-year-old child with a concussion behind a dumpster. Also, we didn't mention the fact that she goes and hides behind a dumpster for the second season in a row. Luckily, there was no prostitute with a heart of gold uh, giving a businessman a blowy next to this dumpster. Because that would have been really scarring for this nine-year-old child. <laughs> She's like, oh, what's your name? Matheson? Yeah, I know your dad. (laughs) (laughs) I know your fucking dad. You have it so easy, you nine-year-old piece of shit. Oh, God. Yeah, I like... (laughs) She leaves a nine-year-old child in an alley next to a dumpster covered in boxes. Surrounded by boxes. She didn't build her a cardboard suit, like a Transformers suit, unfortunately. (laughs) But, like... That has to be the stupidest thing that Kim has done in the the 26 episodes we have now watched, right? Hey, Michael, can I can I throw you a quick spoiler? Huh? She tops it yeah. this season. Yeah, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Curtis, would you ever leave a small child hiding behind a cardboard fort? No. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So we cut to Kate Warner, who is on the phone with uh, Ralph Burton, the private investigator, and uh, tells him that she had failed to obtain Raisa Nair's wallet. Um, and we see Raisa and Luis, the uh, housekeeper, working outside. And Ralph tells Kate that, okay, I just need his passport just to learn where he's traveled over the last six months. And no big deal. She's a little hesitant. And she's like, I don't want to steal his passport. And he says, I don't need the passport itself. Just write down the dates that he was overseas. And so she runs out of the house, sprints past some uh, some people setting up wedding stuff. And we as we get a tiny clock at 943, please take a drink. Kate reaches Race's car and starts searching his jacket, his briefcase in the back seat. And like she is surrounded by service people. They all mm-hmm. see her doing this. And she's real bad at this. She's not subtle at all. She reaches into the glove box to pull out his planner, and we see Raisa slowly coming back towards the front of the house from dun, from dun, the uh, from the backyard. So mm-hmm. she's on the clock. She finally finds his passport in the back of his scheduler and starts frantically writing down dates. She puts it back in the glove box, but oops, Raisa sees her sitting oh. in the driver's seat of the car and walks over. Okay, this is bullshit, though. Have you ever looked back through your passport to try to see what countries you've been in and out of? It's mayhem. They don't, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's no pattern Dude. to it. They stamp whatever page they want. What's right. funny is that Canada doesn't even stamp it sometimes. Right. A lot they of just, places just fuck it. A lot of don't places care. don't stamp it. And, and actually, if you travel by train or by car across the EU, you don't get a, pa- a stamp. So, like, if he flew into Paris and then drove or took the train somewhere else... They would have no fucking clue. The idea that you could figure out what someone was doing based on their passport in that quick a time and write everything down is bullshit. Oh, we did it. We found the plot hole. Damn it. It's only <laughs> oh, it's the second episode. Man, I thought we were going to be good this season. No, no. Sucks. The only plot hole. Damn. Ever. Poop. 
Well, well, damn. So Raisa walks up. She she hurriedly hides the the uh, planner and the passport back in the glove box. And uh, he says, Kate, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I was just trying to move your car to make room for more vans. And he pulls the keys out of his box. He's like, can't move the car without keys, Kate, you idiot. And uh, he says that Marie was sending him out to get more strawberries and that she'll be he'll be back soon and he'll make sure to park on the other side of the driveway. And mm-hmm. Kate runs off to call Ralph. That is a sweet ass car, too, though. Like, is that uh, more is that more family? Is that more of his her family's money that he's spending on these cars? Okay. Like That's like a Chevy. It's not a nice car, Michael. That was one of those. Uh, what was it? Um, I think it was a Ford. No, it wasn't. Was it Chevy? Yeah, it was. It was a domestic, dude. Yeah, it's a no. domestic. Michael, that's yeah. that's a thirty-five thousand dollars car, tops. No way. Yeah, that's, when, that's when they tried. That's when they tried to make like a bunch of American cars look like they were Alfa Romeos and fucked it up. Like it wasn't a good. wasn't a good deal. I don't. I don't believe that. Not lying to you, friend. Is oh, you know what it was? The Ford. The Ford Thunderbird. The Thunderbird. No, when they when they made the not, throwback Thunderbird, oh, that's not God, it. God, kill me. Is, yeah, it is. That is no, not I, it. Actually, no, you're right. Yep, it is. Okay, that's yeah. the thing. Yeah. MSRP on a Ford Thunderbird 2002 yeah. was thirty five thirty five thousand dollars. Good God. Yep. Get so fire. Race it really rolling in that terror <laughs> that terrorism cash. Um, Wait, guys, guys. Yes. Guys. Hey. I'm going to send you a picture real quick that I just came hey, across. Michael. Michael, quick update. Yeah. For you too, Kush. Go Cubs, go. Go Maybe. Cubs, go. Just, just, take, just, take a, just take a gander at this picture. What do you say? Them Cubs yeah, go into your day. day. Picture is loaded. There's fireworks around <laughs> my neighborhood, which is great for my two-year-old. Did you put it? Okay, oh, I gotta open up. I gotta open up my other browser. Give me a minute now. God damn it! Don't shoot fireworks right now. He looks so happy. Right? That's like the happiest I've ever seen Keeper Sutherland. So we cut back to Jack, who's still working on his car, and Eddie's crew appears to be packing up. And suspicious Dave walks over. And uh, tells, ask Jack, what the fuck are you still doing here? That's my own. I said fuck. He didn't say fuck. It's network television. <laughs> and he tells Jack. He wanted to, to though. <laughs> I just opened the picture. <laughs> yeah, by the way, the picture was uh, Kiefer Sutherland par- power sliding on a furniture dolly, like a flat dolly. He's so happy. He looks so pleased. Man. Makes me happy that people If, if Kush ever does another blog post, he will put that up. Fuck you. I'll do one. I'll do one right now. You, you're you not my boss. Fuck you. Um, so to be fair to Kush, I've done zero YouTube videos or or Twitch accounts. So he's doing better than I am. I did make a Twitch account, by the way. We're on Twitch, Dude. folks. You know, that was my, I, I blew it, y'all. Ex- I blew it. Someday we'll play a video game on it. Um, so Dave tells Jack to take a cab and get out of here. Jack says, mind your own business. And then walks over to tell Eddie... That Dave is a joke, and your boy packed the fuses too tight. And Dave runs up behind Jack to punch him in the head, and what mm-hmm. happens? Oh, okay, so I um, I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down in a way that y'all can understand, uh, and maybe some of y'all won't. So there's a thing in in basketball culture, in which if you're playing against somebody one on one and you're guarding them, and they go to the hoop 
and leave you down on the ground as they go to the hoop. It's called breaking your ankles. Mm-hmm. Right. And once you get your ankles broke, you got to leave the court. Yeah. You got to go. So you're no you, longer you in the game. You don't get to play no more. You got to go. Unfortunately for Dave, um, there was no metaphor here. <laughs> Jack fucking broke his ankle. Mm-hmm. Well, he... he- Broke his ankle, but after he had already humiliated him twice by I think he also correct, catching his, his fist and punching him. <laughs> well, okay, just to be clear, though, I'm pretty sure, one, I think Jack also broke his wrist because Dave tried to punch Jack in the back of the head. Yeah. And Jack did that super cool, probably only in movies trick, where he dodged a punch that he didn't see coming, grabbed Dave's wrist, pretty sure he snapped that bad boy in mm-hmm. half, and threw Dave to the ground. Yeah. And then Dave tried to kick Jack, and Jack broke that ankle oh, real bad. Oh, yeah. you See, the thing is, I think he he definitely grabbed the wrist. I don't know if he broke it, because I didn't hear the, the distinct the crunch, snap yeah. that, that I heard when that, he did the ankle. That good crunch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Brack, sorry. so Jack breaks his damn ankle, <laughs> and Eddie says, you broke his damn ankle, Jack. And J- Jack just says, he shouldn't have been playing with adults. No, 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 no. He said he shouldn't have been playing with adults because Jack's <laughs> undercover character apparently uses adults instead of adults. To be fair, fair. that's also what you say on the basketball court when somebody breaks your ankles. <laughs> shouldn't have been playing with adults, son. <laughs> Go sit out. Sit your ass on the bench. <laughs> get, I get don't Harris know why. I don't know why you're in a Spider-Man costume. <laughs> I broke your damn ankles. <laughs> So we cut to commercial at 9.46. We come back at 9.50. Um, we see Kim running to a payphone, which, by the way, at this point, Megan, the small child, has been alone for more than 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Concussed and alone. So <laughs> Next Kim, to a dumpster in an alley. Kim runs to the payphone and calls 911 for assistance. And for some reason, 911 puts her on hold. And as Kim is on hold, she turns... And sees Gary's blue Lexus convertible parked on the street ahead of her. And before 911 picks up again, Gary grabs the phone. And what does he say? Who are you calling? The police? (laughs) Well, no shit, you fucking idiot. You've threatened to murder me multiple times. Like twice in the last hour. Yeah. And what does he tell her after that? I've already called the police, Kim, to report you kidnapping my daughter i can't believe that's true yeah no i don't Yeah, because there'd be an investigation Mm -hmm. gary about what occurred before that which was domestic violence like a lot of it like a lot of it and like i mean here's the thing though this can't be the first time that he has been violent Oh no, he's a piece of shit right 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 what i'm saying is like maybe he is just thinks he's so badass and cool that like Carla's not going to take Kim's well, side on this. I'm just gonna say this is not the first au pair he's physically threatened because Kim has only been on the job. We learned in, in the first episode a couple of weeks, right? And is some, well, somehow it, like, still like, the best nanny in the world. Well, like so, I don't need to be political with you guys, but so 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 um, when you call the police as two white dudes, like, do you feel as though when you do that, that when people arrive, that justice will be served? 
Because I feel that if I call the police, I need to be prone on the ground when they arrive with my hands flat, even if it's my own home. No, so, so, see, see, Gary's a white dude in L.A., though, so he's calling the police, and he's assuming that, like, he's going to be believed. A white dude in police well, that makes thre- sense, threatening though. a white girl, though. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah, but she's she's a hysterical teenager, and right. that Carla's going to back high, his story. High school dropout teenager. Yeah, he's going to say, oh, Kim must have uh, hit her on the head when she stole the car. I mean, I yeah, can so, see so where... Gary's got a point, I guess. Yeah, I Curtis, can see where honest, this could I've go only bad. called the cops one time, and it was because uh, my neighbors down the street were playing techno music at approximately 200 decibels uh, <laughs> at 5 a.m. in the morning. And the cops came, and then the music didn't stop. So, you know what? No, I don't trust the cops to have a satisfactory outcome. That's a good point. I called the cops once during a for a traffic accident um, in a Sam's Club parking lot in Florida. And a, a man who was of Hispanic descent hit me and couldn't speak that, that great of English. But who arrived, another black guy as a cop. And I got all the shit I needed taken care of. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> hey, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> I called the police once uh, when I heard some yelling down in the alley when I used to live in River North. Lived on the mm. 11th floor. I heard some yelling down in the alley, and there was a guy who was yelling at another girl, and a guy tried to step in, and he got punched in the face, and then the guy started chasing him down the street, and then the cops showed up uh, looking for the, the dude who was who was doing the punching, and I was like, hey, he went down the alley right there. So for y'all who don't know, River North Chicago is um, has the highest per capita bars to people in the city. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of punching. Going on at night there because mm-hmm. there's a lot of drinking. Uh, when, you, when you when you top Wrigleyville and drinking, you got some punching at night mm-hmm. times. Mm. Let's be honest, it just happens. Think, Although Wrigleyville is the only place I've ever seen a guy get punched in the back of the head so hard that he just like got knocked the fuck out. Michael, I was there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the old Sluggers. We were there for the Sluggers. Yeah. That was good times. Th- that that gentleman <laughs> did not see the punch coming. No, from he did him. not. He did not. He, he did he not did jack not. jack it away. He did not mm-hmm. jack his, Bauer ankle, it. His, his 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 face and his ankles got broke that night. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get back let's get back to Kim Bauer. So Talk, speaking of fighting, s- mm-hmm. fighting round Kim. Fight. So, Damn it, I was gonna. T- <laughs> <laughs> so Gary tells Kim, "I don't mean any harm towards Megan, and I just want to take her home." I've been under a lot of pressure lately, but I'm not a bad person. Your instincts were right to take Megan. I would have done the same thing. But I'm her father, and I need to take her. Mm -hmm. And Gary asks where she is, and Kim says, I'll tell you if you ask Carla if it's okay to tell you. Which, I mean, that was a smart move. Kim, Respect, dude. Kim has some okay stuff. And he grabs her by the shoulders very angrily, and she, not for the first time, or not for the last time in this episode. Knees she him. him. No, no. She in knees the... him in the knee. And Are you he... sure it was the knee? Are yes. you sure she didn't knee him in the knee? No, they, she kneed him on the they outside. Implied, they, implied, they implied that they, that he squad. She got squad yeah, in the nuts. I think he got uh, squad in the nuts. Well, no, because rewind the tape. She knees him on the outside of the knee, maybe two inches above it. And she does it again later, and he the same reaction. She does not get him so, in the nuts. I think I so, think so, he, she was supposed to get him in the nuts. So first off, I'm going to go back to the beginning of this. Didn't. He of this. still drops her like he did. <laughs> Let's go to the beginning of this situation, right? So so Kim, you know, Gary tries to explain why he would hit his daughter, and Kim 
you know, somewhere in her, I can see it in her eyes, looks in her memory and says, I was a really, really dumb blonde girl. Mm -hmm. And my father never concussed me. And I did some stupid shit. She's Kim Bauer. I once walked in front of a sniper's (laughs) bullet and my father, rather than slapping me silly on the ground, saved my life. He just pulled me back and then protected me. Your child is, appears to be an angel and you concussed her in front of me. You're a horrible person. So when you when she gra- when he grabbed her, he knees she knees him around the nettle region, right? I'm t- um, and then and then a fight ensues. A fight breaks out between betwixt Gary and Kim Bauer. This was actually probably one of the best fights. But this that, is uh, yeah, twenty four. But this is. is this is a season two Kim Bauer. This is this is this is an I've seen some shit Kim Bauer. This is Kim at her and most Gary, effective. So she runs right, and she gets pulled. She gets she runs and gets trapped in a dead end alley. She tries to jump over a fence, and Gary pulls her down by her neck and throws her onto a car, and then mm-hmm. she goes to fucking town. Yeah, Gary gets bitched in face. Right, dude. She needs him right in the nuts. Well, yeah, she doesn't. Well, she I'm gets looking him at it right now. Cause she gets she she gets him in the nuts. Right, and he hits him in the face. Gary Gary counters another punch attempt. Right, and gets her against another car. I believe, if I'm correct. Right. Yep. Yep. So so Kim goes down a little bit, and Gary Gary attempts to mount to strike again, and Kim escapes. Tire iron time. Got no 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 no. Kim had tire iron, and. Attempts to strike Gary. He dodges. Kim breaks a, a car window. Right? He gets a shot in. Think he's got Kim done. And then Kim Bauer. Well, the thing is, he he throws her head off the trunk of a car and she falls to the ground. He hits, he hits her off the car. Kim's on the ground. Gary attempts once again a full mount. And Kim Bauer comes across Gary. Oof. Just across the face. Tire yeah, iron. With a tire iron. To the grill. And, and, and ding, 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 folks. The winner and new <laughs> champion of the world. Featherweight champ. Kim Bauer. Because Gary is knocked the fuck out. Yeah, I mm-hmm. got to. I, I was super proud of Kim in this scene. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, she. It's good times. She put. She got her licks in. And I know. I know. Because of the power of forethought and foresight. I'm going to hate Kim a lot in this season. Oh, yeah. But, like, Kim earned her keep. In this episode. Yeah. Kim proved that she was a Bauer. Yes. In this episode. Yeah. In this episode. The instincts finally kicked in. Yeah. Like, she's not run. Kim is, like, she ran, but she's done with running. I will f- I will throw a tire iron through your fucking chin if I <laughs> well, need to. I feel she, like she, she should have, like, brooding just- asshole and realize that he's not some kind of sexy man for her to for her to want to fall in love with. And is like, no, I need to beat his ass. Let me pull in my inner Bauer and knock him the fuck out. Yeah. So she yeah. does the thing though that I hate when people are like fighting an an, an enemy and they they think they knocked him out. Like she doesn't finish the job. She did, double tap. She did you not. Always she, double tap. She didn't. Well, you know the thing is, in you know, hey, go watch Pacific Rim real quick. <laughs> it took him two times to leave, he, or one time he had he left a fallen foe behind and they got destroyed. Mm-hmm. Second way, time, new, new, em- new trailer empty the clip. I'm not even yeah. saying I'm not even saying that she needs to like kill a dude in cold blood while he's dead, but like no, no you do. But like you she do. should have at least taken the tire iron to his knee so he can't just get right up again. No, here I'm gonna say this base, in public service base of the spine. from um from me and not good buddy media. This is from Curtis Perry Jr. Um if you witness a man concuss his nine year old daughter and you manage to get him down to the ground, 
gone double tap that. Fin- finish him off. Finish. Just finish him off. That's from me. Not from not from the rest of the boys. Just 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 from me. Yeah, Hank, you know just, what? Just do it. Halo, Halo just three. Finish, finish him the fight. off. You know, plus one. Yeah. Plus one on that. Yeah. yeah. Also, also, if you have the ability, teabag him. Halo 3, finish the fight. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to Kate Warner, who is on the phone with Ralph, the private investigator, and she tells him the last date in Reza Nair's passport was May 19th in Frankfurt, which happens to be in Germany, which happens to be where Nina Myers was scheduled to travel through. Mm. Oh! Dr. Evil, uh, Pinky. Yeah. Move. Mm. So Germany. Ralph says that he will compare racist travel with Syed Ali's travel, which I don't know if he has Syed Ali's passport also, but yeah. okay. Mm. Um, they'll compare them to see if they were ever in the same location at the same time. And she hangs up just to see her sister Marie enter to inform Kate that racist parents are arriving early and that they'll be ordering lunch. And, mm. and, Marie, and Kate offers to pick it up and Marie just... Thanks, Kate, for everything she's done and for being such a great big sister, planning the wedding. Everything. Guys. I love you. Guys, and I'm not saying this is another Curtis moment. I don't know. I honestly don't know. But but I just feel like, A, one of them is going to die this season. One or two of them is dead. Um, And Marie, I just, I don't know if it's her face or her voice. I think she's a terrorist. But... Yeah, I don't trust her. Okay. I don't. And and maybe because she's the villain from the faculty, That's... I'm going back to the old Law and Order. <laughs> wow, you know, yeah, that could do it. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I, I was going to uh, ask this, like, is it just because she's and, like and a she petite was on CS, blonde she's lady? on CSI Miami as well, which is, an, you know, Law and Order kind of close, but so Curtis, I, I don't... Curtis, you need to stop mm-hmm. watching network television. What the fuck is wrong with you, my dude? Why have you ever seen an episode of CSI Miami? To be fair, I used to, to watch fair, CSI Miami fair, all the time. My best, my best friend in the whole world, uh, the Joe, worked on CSI New York. The Joe worked on CSI New York for a long time. The worst of the CSIs. Um, Isn't CSI New York cor- the one that had a time which, travel it crime? Was, it was. It was hard. Here's the thing. Like you know, uh, the the Joe was my best man at my wedding. Um, he's a brother to me. I love him. Uh, my grandmother who grew up in the South in Georgia, uh, the only person I knew of, of European descent who she, she demanded that I give some of her magnificent sweet potato pie to was the Joe. Love this man. Um, you actually wouldn't give show. me any sweet potato pie. And exactly. You can go fuck yourself. Um, you're not, you're not Joe. Uh, that's, I mean, honestly, she, she, she wasn't, you know, the biggest fan, but she loved Joe. Um, and he worked on CSI New York and I watched maybe over the, the several seasons he worked on that show, five total. Cause it was bad. It's, I love the man, but I can't, I don't watch five of them. But, but I knew that this, that the lady who plays Marie Warner on this show is in Miami because Miami was, was, was better. And it was also terrible. I mean, CSI is bad, but yeah, what? Shit. Oh God. We just lost half our audience insulting the CBS sitcom. Oh, fuck. <laughs> You know what? Damn, you know man. what? CSI was the original CSI the wasn't it, always bad. Hold on, hold on, time. The fact you just call it a, a sitcom. It was a drama. <laughs> it was an hour-long serial drama. Look, the original no, CSI wasn't always dumbest, bad. That shit is the dumbest, funniest show on television. CSI Miami is great because David Caruso is ridiculous in it. Here's the thing. CSI, if you actually know anything about science, just just general science, CSI stupid. 
Or so law enforcement. So is every so is every crime show. It's all dumb, y'all. Guys, you um, gotta suspend you gotta suspend your disbelief. Dude, there's an uncanny value when it comes to like reassembling a bullet from stippling you find in the goddamn wall. Um <laughs> anyway. Also, also <laughs> Look, we weren't always in the area of peak peak TV where there was, you know, good shows on on uh HBO you know, and Showtime know, and you know AMC my, all the time. You know my favorite part of crime scene investigation hmm. is when the guy who analyzes DNA pulls his gun and arrests the suspect. <laughs> Right? That's my yeah, favorite because, because, part. Because, see, here's the thing, guys. If you actually, here's the thing. Dexter was good for only four seasons, but during all the seven seasons of Dexter, Dexter never had a goddamn weapon because guess what? When you're a CSI, you're not a police officer. It's anyway. Ma- it's majestic. We get a tiny <laughs> clock and it's 955. <laughs> we cut back to the mountains of Oregon around Los- Lake Oswego. And, I'm out of uh, booze. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a lot of tiny clocks. A lot of tiny clocks. Um, yeah, Chaboy's almost at the bottle of wine bottle number two. Uh, did I say bottle of wine bottle number two? Anyway, um, so the Secret Service is escorting reporter Ron Whelan to meet uh, David Palmer in the presidential retreat. And uh, David says, I understand you're going live with a story later. What do you think is going on? And Whelan says, well, I think the alert level has been raised and I can't reveal my sources. And Palmer tries to stall him, says, you're barking up the wrong tree. And Wyland says, I don't remember the last time a journalist has been able to get a private interview with the president on a few minutes notice. Mm-hmm. So my 22 years in the business tells me I'm barking up exactly the right tree. He's not wrong. No. It nope. seems like a miscalculation by Palmer. David David really underestimates the skill that Wyland has. Um, but... But so we well, is it Wil- if Wheeland, Wheeland. Wheeland, sorry, it's that Wheeland. So Wheeland, whatever, Wheeland he's a weaselly looking he's, motherfucker. That he's talking to the president of the United States. So part of me was hoping that this Wheeland was like a Wheeland as part of the Wheeland Utani group, in, <laughs> uh, Alien v Predator. Um, otherwise, he's not escaping the situation. It's, and, it's um, spelled differently. Yeah, I know it's W I E rather than W E Y. Uh, so Wheeland's uh, uh, Wheeland says essentially, you know, I I'm. I'll think about your proposal, Mr. President, because David Palmer, you know, offers him um, an exclusive before his press conference the next day if they manage to stop the nuke. And, you know, Whelan says, I'll consider it. Yeah. And walks out. And when he walks out, mm. David makes a call. Yeah. So I think this is a, like last season. David just ran headlong into the press and doing stuff without really considering the consequences. As much as he tells, so in this, uh, so, you know, Whelan tries to, like, equivocate with him. He's like, you're asking me to sit on the story, even though it's my professional right to take this to the air. And David says, Ron, you know me. I'm more open with any, more open with the president, any president in history. Like, I literally tried to send my son to jail via the press last year. And he's still not buying it. So I think David... He knows what's coming. He's not He's not just walking into this blind. And he says, you know, an uns- a story about an unsubstantiated threat is worse than actually, possibly worse than the threat itself. He he does say panic. Doesn't say mass hysteria. Um, but Wyland says he'll think about it. Or Wyland says he'll think about it. They shake hands. And as he leaves, Palmer calls Armis and says, we're going to have to deal with this. And guys, so I got it. Is there really a secret, secret security uh, blue team? 
Dude, this is where the, the this is where the show's context blows my mind. So I think about this. I'm like, okay, if I had to watch this in '02 with W as president, when I was a super liberal college student, I don't know what I would what I, what I would have thought, right? If you tell me in in 2010 when I'm still a liberal, but Obama's the president, I think he's more pragmatic pragmatic approach. What do I think? What do I think then? And then what do I think now when our our butt fucking crazy times of presidency. <laughs> I, I, it, it's, it's insane. I'm like, I don't want there to be a blue team. So it's like, what do I want there to be a blue team in any one of those phases? Well, Curtis, tell me, I don't tell, know. Us, tell us what happens before we talk about this. You know, he calls, he calls Armis and says, we need to make this happen. And Armis stops wheeling before he can leave the compound and he gets let off somewhere. Yeah, they basically just kidnapped a journalist. An agent yeah. grabs him, and we see yeah, David looking on, and he slowly puts his head down, and then we see him standing in front of a window, just kind of with his hands behind his back. Like, yep this this isn't it's this scary, isn't okay, man. right? Mm-mm. No, thing is, it's like, not. Thing is, like, what do you do with that guy after the fact? Right, like, you can't send a journalist to Guantanamo. You can't just kill him. Well, I guess you could, no. um, but it's like he's gonna talk after, so. Wheeling gets carted off. When we get a tiny clock, it's 9.58. And uh, Jack mm-hmm. is working his car. And Eddie walks back over and says, you haven't changed much, have you? And Eddie he says, well, I'm short a man for a job now. And Jack says, well, I'm looking for work. I need $1,000 a day. <laughs> that's a good rate, man. It's a pretty, Not bad. pretty solid day. Yeah, that's a good day's work. Mm-hmm. And Eddie says, uh, yeah, how about I don't pay you any money? But I don't tell Joe about what you just did. And if you say no, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. But you're going to die eventually. Mm-hmm. Although he just saw Jack like do a like a Spider-Man Spidey sense dodge of a punch to the back of his well, head. Well, we don't know I mean, it. We'll we don't know what Eddie's but, capable of either. Right. So none of that surprised Eddie at all. That's true. What I what, 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 what he told the seriously, he told he told he told Jack, you're going to look over your shoulder for, forever. Yeah. So so, how bad of how badass mm. is Joe? Not the Joe, but this Joe. Yeah, I mean, exactly, Michael. Like early, not in the episode, badass enough to know that Jack Roush is Jack Bauer, apparently. Right, yeah. but like earlier in this episode, Eddie learned that Jack cut a federal witness's head off and delivered it to him in a duffel bag, and his only response was, "Jack's back." <laughs> he's so back, like, baby. Secret handshake. Yeah, I don't think he's too surprised by what Jack is capable of. So well, plus, and, and so so Jack's way of telling Eddie that he could, you know, he the reason Dave came over to him in the first place is him saying, you know, your guy packed your fuses too tight and your explosives, he's gonna fuck your job up. Mm-hmm. So obviously Jack's a badass in Eddie's eyes and and knows his shit. Yeah. So he's not surprised by this move. Yeah. But they're not. They don't take him and say like, "Hey, why don't you repack these fuses?" They're just like, "Ah, okay, Jackie boy, now well, you're gonna take these fuses to CTU." Well, just well, to be well, fair yeah, to him, you spoiled like, it, Michael. You fool. Yeah, to be fair to him, Michael, it's like we have a job to do. We have a terrorist job to do. We need a guy in an hour, and you just killed my. You just broke my dude's ankle. I need you to come do the terrorist job because you've been a terrorist before. <laughs> so come terrorism again. Back in the saddle. One more. One more job. You son of a <laughs> mm-hmm. bitch. Um. So. They get in the van, and Jack asks Eddie where the job is, and Eddie just says, you're gonna like it. And we cut to Kim, who is running back to get Megan, only to find that Megan has oddly left the cardboard fort. 
This just and proves that Megan is actually a mini Kim. Yeah, exactly. He lost a child. He lost a child, Kim. God damn it. So Kim panics and starts running through the streets. Uh, she's now definitely going to jail for losing a child. Um, we see Ron Wyland pacing an interrogation room on CCTV. Um, Kim is calling out Megan's name. President Palmer is watching Ron on on a video. And uh, Kate and Maria are looking at a scrapbook together. And then as the show closes, we cut to Jack in a van with Eddie and crew. Mm. And Eddie says, we're doing a conversion. And Jack says, what do you mean a conversion? We're going to turn a government building into a cemetery. A branch that has been dogging us for years. The L.A. Counterterrorism Unit. And Jack's six to midnight. Jack says, good. And puts on his sunglasses. <laughs> and we cut to black at 9.59 and 59 seconds. Mm-hmm. 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 And I, it, got real, it got real horny, y'all. As much as Just, I was all horned up by that by that closing line, and I'm excited for what's going to happen next, literal cops didn't know what CTU was a year ago. Yeah. But they've been dogging those, these terrorists. So, I mean, that's their whole job. That's true. That's true. Okay. The other, the other thing... About this whole Kim Megan situation. <laughs> so Kim leaves Megan by a dumpster because Megan's like, I don't want to go. Because she has Which, brain damage. Look, look, I don't have children, but I have dealt with children in the past. Um, You don't go when they're like, I don't want to do that. You don't go, okay. You say, fuck you. I'm the adult. I'm going to carry your stupid nine-year-old ass wherever I want you to go because... You're nine years old. Like, Actually, you don't decide. So, Michael, so, so, so you don't use those words, but you, the thought's there. Yeah, right. You Actually, just, Michael, my literal response to anything my six-year-old nephew does is like, I don't want to do that. I was like, okay, I'm going to build a fort and you can live in it and I'm going to go <laughs> fucking do whatever the fuck I want. Go away. <laughs> and then but it's not literally next what, to a dumpster in an L.A. alley. Oh, yeah. sure. Whatever. <laughs> Gainesville alleys are way more safe. That's well, not not this weekend, but yes, generally speaking. <laughs> yeah. So, so what I would say to someone, if you're not a parent, um, imagine watching something come into this world that is the most important thing to you in the universe. Period. End of story. Right. And then having to think of that thing as something that you would burn the world for, but you can't tell that thing that. Because it doesn't understand that. And as it grows up, it does stupider and stupider things. So you just grab it up and say, fuck it, I'm going to do this whole war burning thing without your actual knowledge of it, and just do it. So yeah, you just, you'd grab the nine-year-old and say, my head hurts. I got it, bro. Let me call the cops and get a goddamn amber lamps here to get you into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Because I don't need this right now. So yeah, Kim's dumb. You don't leave a kid... <laughs> In a box fort. But she's the best nanny ever, guys. Oh, god damn it. No, you just take the kid, you call 911, and then when Gary comes over and says, my daughter, you say, let's see what the cops have to say, Gary. Gary? Don't make me nut you for the third time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, for me, as a black man, um, if I had a nine-year-old white girl in my arms and called the cops... And there was a white guy on the other side of arguing that I kidnapped his daughter. 
No. Yeah, you, no, you should. I'm noping out. I'm noping out. You might leave her in a cardboard. You should definitely leave her in a. There's no, there's, there's no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have left her. I wouldn't have left the house with her. That's a, that there's no win there for me. I just leave the house mm-hmm. and go to Mexico. Nope. I'm noping <laughs> Ch- out. Change my name. You know, See you we, later. <laughs> we also missed, we also missed one, one very important line of dialogue from oh, Eddie. Damn it, I'm usually so good at it. I'm bring, sorry. Uh, bring it. Bring, at, no, bring he was it, on Michael. the phone. He was on the phone. And uh, when he was ending the phone conversation, rather than saying, like, bye or talk to you later or whatever, he said, mm-hmm. He said, rock out. And then he hung up the phone. <laughs> Are you serious? Did I miss that? <laughs> yep. He said, he said, and I quote, rock out. Oh God! Damn it. These are the things I miss oh, while I'm taking notes because, I, like, I, again, like even even with the assist from the 24 Wikia, I have 10 pages of notes. Yeah, I miss the little things. Yeah, <laughs> damn it, that's no good. That, that, it was no. so great, and it was, yeah, he's like, yeah, that's that's great. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you in about an hour. All right, that's great. Rock out, and then he hangs no. up. No. Don't don't rock out. Don't ever That's my rock. new sign off for every phone conversation from now on. It better be your sign off for this show. Not not idiot. rock on. Rock out though. Okay, so let's before we close out, Curtis. So obviously Jack and Terrace crew are heading towards CTU. Do you think they're gonna pull it off? Yep. You think we're gonna get a CTU explosion? Like, well, so Yeah. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> I think CTU's bad at their job. So some 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 folks is gonna have to die, and maybe that will turn things around and allow the rest of them to do their jo- damn job. Um, and unfortunately, I think that it might be Patricia who has to die because she seems to be the most um, useless to death. Yeah, at this point in time, like she doesn't want to die. Who the fuck the is Patricia? Is it no? What's her, what's what's Darlene's name? Paula. 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 Remember fuck, Paul, it's a Paul Schaefer, Whatever. but Paula. We all Schaefer. we all, we all know who you're so, talking so, about. So Polly, Polly, Polly gonna die, um, and and it's not her fault because she wants to nope out immediately. But Tony's like, no, no, nope. Um, so Tony's gonna be around for a while, but Polly. Well, I think the thing is for this, like last season, Jack had to, uh, Jack had to go rogue to get ahead. Yeah, and I think Jack doesn't really have a lot of wiggle room to go. There's no reason for Jack to go rogue specifically in this season. So I think they just need to take CTU out of play. So like, I, yeah. I'm assuming I'm assuming CTU is gonna have some some rough hours ahead of themselves. How shitty would it be, though, to be like, oh, we have to find this nuclear bomb before it goes off and we all get obliterated, but then you actually end up dying in, in a, a regular In a regular board, bomb. A regular bomb by a man, uh, created by a man named Dave. <laughs> oh, not Dave. And a man who says rock out. Like, no, uh, he didn't say rock out. That's Gary. No, Eddie's, Eddie said that. Eddie says rock out. Oh, Eddie said rock. Fuck, never mind. <laughs> Shit, I'm out. Just like if, but again though, like if I had to get taken out by a bomb, she's like, oh, Dave got me. Oh, Dave, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Dave and Ed. At least make it like a Mikhail or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's like normal white American terrorists. This is this is bullshit. This is you know I want like this I want like so Adolf, average. Adolf von, this is so Adolf von Adolf take me out. <laughs> yeah. That's the dude I want to take me out if that's gonna happen. Yeah, it was normal white American name man. That was the most common average death I could have imagined. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hear like Gary Mickelson shoots Curtis in the head. Like, god damn it, you know, that's useless. Train. 
All right, so Crazy. what do we think is going to happen in hour three? Anything, any, any big predictions, Curtis? What you got? Um, well, I'm hoping that Jack arrives at CTU. It shouldn't take long, longer than an hour, right? But he, he might also be able to warn one of them. I don't know. They're all gonna, they're going to die. Um, but so Kim, Kim's going to do something stupid. What? In hour huh? three, she could do something real dumb. Do you think um, that Jack is going to have the choice between blowing his cover to save CTU or staying undercover and hopefully finding this nuclear weapon? If he does, he won't blow his cover because Jack's a man. Consummate professional. Um, I don't, I just don't, I don't trust Kim. I don't trust uh, let's talk about, let's, Eric. Yeah. I don't trust Rayburn at no, all. No, so, <laughs> not one bit. We'll see. Let's talk about G Mace. Where do you think he's going? You think he's coming back? No, Bakersfield. He's going to Bakersfield, man. He noped out immediately, man. (laughs) You don't nope and turn around. You nope and go. That's true. Yeah, no, yeah, Mason seems... The best way to get killed is to nope and turn around. That's true. It's every horror movie trope. If you're like, no, I'm going to go back and save them all. Oh, you're definitely dead, Tommy Jones. You'll be the second or third (laughs) to last person to die. (laughs) Yep. Like, you noped. You came back because you're a crisis of conscience, but like, hey... You also sinned by leaving, mm. so now you're definitely dead. Yeah. O- only only he or she without sin lives to the end of a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts on uh, day two, hour two? Always an open. You have the chance, folks. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna nope out. And if you enjoyed this episode of the longest days of our lives, you can find out more information on GoodBuddyMedia.com. Uh, I occasionally put up blog posts. Mostly when Curtis shames me into doing it, I'm gonna mm-hmm. put up an episode or put up a blog post with uh, this image of Jack, just kind of scooter skating around uh, the set of 24. You should um, also put up this image that I sent you of Kim very clearly kneeing Gary right in the nads. The evidence appears to show knee in nads, which mm-hmm. again, though, I'm not really into it. I'm not buying it. Um, <laughs> although it's pretty cut and dry. Um, <laughs> Um, so, uh, you can find out more information about this show at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, you can also find more out more information about our sister show, Trends in Low Places, which is me and Michael talking about very stupid, very stupid internet stories each the week. stupidest. And, uh, if you <laughs> want to talk to us, you know, you can go ahead and email us suggestions for this show or that show at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from our fans. We respond to every single email we get. So, if you have a theory about season two if you have some guesses about where it's going um you know we can air that on the show we'll talk about it. we'll we'll put your questions to curtis even if you know what's about to happen if you have a question that you want curtis to think through <laughs> please send it our way um and speaking of curtis curtis how else can people help us out yeah guys if you want to help us out go ahead and subscribe to us uh, on your podcast app of choice, whether it be iTunes, Podbean, Slacker, uh, Podcast Addict, whatever you use to listen to podcasts on a weekly basis, um, subscribe to this show and Trends in Low Places. Um, and once you do subscribe, go ahead and review, rate, and comment us on those apps. And that helps us move up in the, the, the ranks to be a podcast juggernaut to bring this stuff to you guys for free. Um, and then soon enough, we will actually let you know about where you can subscribe to us on Twitch and YouTubes, uh, to follow our stupidity and other places in which you can watch, uh, three assholes doing asshole things. And maybe see great. Curtis's beautiful face. Mmm. Mm. See the grill and the face game. 
Um, anyway, Michael, how can they help us out on the old social medias? Yeah, you can find us on the Twitters and the Facebooks at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L-Cast. Um, and, uh, you know, the best thing you can do is to share and uh, like our posts, uh, retweet them, favorite them, whatever you want to do. Uh, you know, if you have a comment about uh, one of the, the, the shows, you can also uh, hit us up on Facebook or Twitter. Um you know, and if you enjoy it, uh, your friends might as well. So please share. Yeah, uh, definitely share away. If you like this show, uh, kind of guarantee you'll like our other show. And even if you, you know, honestly, I mean, if you're if you're listening to the show, you've probably seen 24 or you just like us talking. But um, I think if you listen to the show and you like it, you probably know that you probably don't need to ever actually have seen the show 24 to enjoy it. So if you have guys, if, if you, you want to hear three doofy discuss a, uh, an old an old ass tv show subscribe to this show and there's a chance we might make other shows based on shit that one of us hasn't seen before i've never seen west wing right might happen someone here hasn't seen the wire which is goddamn travesty it may we need to talk about it um maybe we'll watch some movies i never watched season, season talk about five that of well. the wire because i was so mm, sad at the yourself. end of season four that just, i didn't just stop watch just no just stop there's literally a harvard class on the wire and a mayor of Reykjavik will not speak to you unless you've seen the wire i saw i saw one clip where the two guys just said <laughs> fuck a lot mm-hmm. yeah shit anyway move forward well, actually you know what hey that's a i'm not gonna watch the wire until we finish 24 and then, Curtis, you're locked into this podcast for years. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> the, the longest wire of my life. Ooh. Oh, God damn it. My life. No. no. <laughs> not, it's not the same. That's not that. That can't be the same. My That's life. Just... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, folks, thank you so much for joining us this week on, on The Longest Days of Our Lives. We'll be back in one week, and you can find this show and our sister show, Trends in Low Places, every Thursday. Uh, fellas, we're running out of time. Rock out. Ha <laughs> ha.